dangerous ones, and their passing moods may reflect the passing moods of others. Surely, Holmes, this is a little far-fetched. He had refilled his pipe and resumed his seat, taking no notice of my comment. The practical application of what I have said is very close to the problem of which I am investigating. It is a tangled skein, you understand, and I'm looking for a loose end. One possible loose end lies in the question, why does Professor Presbury's wolfhound Roy endeavour to bite him? I sank back in my chair in some disappointment. Was it for so trivial a question as this that I had been summoned from my work? Holmes glanced across at me. Ah, the same old Watson. You never learn that the gravest issues may depend upon the smallest things. But is it not on the face of it strange that a staid elderly philosopher, you've heard of Presbury, of course, the famous Canford physiologist, that such a man whose friend has been his devoted wolfhound should now have been twice attacked by his own dog? What do you make of it? Mm, the, the dog is ill, Holmes. Well, yes, that has to be considered. But he attacks no one else, nor does he apparently molest his master, save on very special occasions. Curious, Watson, very curious. But young Mr. Bennet is before his time, if that is his ring. I'd hoped to have a longer chat with you before he came. There was a quick step on the stairs, a sharp tap at the door, and a moment later the new client presented himself. He was a tall, handsome youth, about thirty, well-dressed and elegant, but with something in his bearing that suggested the shyness of the student rather than the self-possession of the men of the world. He shook hands with Holmes, and then looked with some surprise at me. This matter is very delicate, Mr. Holmes. Consider the relationship in which I stand to Professor Presbury, both privately and publicly. I can really hardly justify myself before any third person. Have no fear, Mr. Bennet. Dr. Watson is the very soul of discretion, and I can assure you that this is a matter in which I am very likely to need an assistant. As you like, Mr. Holmes, you will, I'm sure, understand my having some reserves in the matter. You will appreciate it, Watson, when I tell you that this gentleman, Mr. Trevor Bennett, is professional assistant to the great scientist, lives under his roof, and is engaged to his only daughter. Certainly we must agree that the professor has every claim upon his loyalty and devotion, but it may best be shown by taking the necessary steps to clear up this strange mystery. I hope so, Mr. Holmes. That is my one object. Does Dr. Watson know the situation? I have not had time to explain it. Then perhaps I'd better go over the ground again, before explaining some fresh developments. Mm, I will do so myself, in order to show that I have the events in due order. The Professor Watson is a man of European reputation. His life has been academic. There has never been a breath of scandal. He is a widower with one daughter, Edith. He is, I gather, a man of very virile and positive, one might almost say combative, character. So the matter stood until a very few months ago. Then the current of his life was broken. He is sixty-one years of age. But he became engaged to the daughter of Professor Morphy, his colleague in the chair of comparative anatomy. It was not, as I understand, the reasoned courting of an elderly man, but rather the passionate frenzy of youth, for no one could have shown himself a more devoted lover. The lady, Alice Morphy, was a very perfect girl, both in mind and body, so that there was every excuse for the professor's infatuation. Nonetheless, it did not meet the full approval of his own family. Our visitor eyed both of us. Yes, we, we, we thought it rather excessive, Mr. Holmes. Exactly. Excessive and a little violent and unnatural. Professor Presbury was rich, however, and there was no objection upon the part of the father. The daughter, however, had other views, and there were already several candidates for her hand, who, if they were less eligible from a worldly point of view, 
were at least more of an edge. The girl seemed to like the professor, in spite of his eccentricities. It was only age which stood in the way. About this time, a little mystery suddenly clouded the normal routine of the professor's life. He did what he had never done before. He left home and gave no indication as to where he was going. He was away a fortnight and returned looking travel-worn. He made no allusion as to where he had been, although he was usually the frankest of men. It chanced, however, that our client here, Mr. Bennett, received a letter from a fellow student in Prague, who said that he was glad to have seen Professor Presbury there, although he had not been able to talk to him. Only in this way did his own household learn where he had been. Now comes the point. From that time onward, a curious change came over the professor. He became furtive and sly. Those around him had always the feeling that he was not the man that they had known, but that he was under some shadow which had darkened his higher qualities.